Without the Lord, we can do nothing, absolutely nothing. And the only reason why missions is a possibility is because of the Lord. The only reason why we can reach the world is because of the Lord, because He is with us. I read a poem written by a Buddhist man named Saigyo Hoshi. It was written in the 12th century, so almost a thousand years ago. And he went into a Shinto temple seeking to connect with some higher power, seeking some answers. And he said, after exiting the Shinto temple, God's here? Who can know? Not me. Yet I sigh, and the tears flow, tear after tear. He says, is God in here? He says, I don't know. He says, I have no way of knowing if God is there, or he would believe in many gods, but he had no assurance of the presence of God. Now, as Christians, sometimes I fear that while we're not Buddhists, while we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, I fear that sometimes we don't realize that Jesus is with us. And if we do realize that he is with us, I fear that we don't realize what that means or what that really changes and how practically that changes our lives. And we don't dwell on the promise of his presence. And then we're afraid. Then we're fearful. And we think that we're doing this on our own. And then because we're fearful, we might even shy away from the Great Commission. How many people, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have been, felt the prompting of the Spirit to witness to someone, but then you didn't, out of fear? Perhaps the Spirit has prompted you even to fill out that faith promise card, and you knew the Spirit wanted you to promise something, and you didn't do it, out of fear. You said, well, if I do that, then what about this, and what about that? Sometimes because we fail to realize that Jesus is with us, always. Even unto the end of the world, we live in fear. Now, we know that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us if we're saved. If you're a Christian tonight, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. But, and he is always with us in that sense. However, in the New Testament, we see moments where Jesus, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, if you will, shows up and acts on behalf of his children in tangible, life-changing, ministry-altering ways that we could never duplicate. Now, I'm not going to split hairs tonight and try to say, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Son do? We know the Lord is doing it. But I want us to take a few moments and dwell on this truth that I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Do you have the ability to reach Burnaby for Christ or New West? Do you have the ability in and of yourself? You do with Jesus, but not on your own. Do you think that you have the ability to reach your neighbor for Christ? I'm going to give a few examples personally, but in verse 18, look first of all with me at the absolute authority of Jesus. He says, all power is given unto me, or all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He has authority over governments, but he also has authority over the circumstances of your neighbor. As you seek to reach them for Christ, he is able to bring circumstances in their lives in order that they will be ready to listen. Our neighbor, she's 82 years old. Her name is Carmen. Now, Carmen is a well-known person in Quebec because she plays, she's an actress, and she plays on several television sitcoms. And it's not a, she, she doesn't have a big house, she's a very modest house, just like ours, but everybody who knocks on my door, even the Jehovah's Witnesses, they'll be like, do you know who your neighbor is? Yeah, I know, you know, let's finish this and I'll go get, help you get an autograph later kind of thing. But Carmen, we've tried to witness to her over the fence uh, we've made cookies at Christmas and brought them over. The kids have shoveled her driveway. We've done everything to try to witness to Carmen. You know, it was always, she was always polite, always kind, but nah. We even petted her cats. We did everything we could to try to give the gospel to Carmen. And, nope, nothing. 
A few weeks ago, there's a knock at the door, and there she's standing. And she says, uh, Eric, she says, uh, I need you to pray. She says, a couple of problems. She says, uh, I have a daughter who's in the hospital, and they found a growth in her abdominal section. They had to take it out. But as they took it out, they had to take a lot of other stuff out, and she's still in the hospital, and her fever is super high, and it's not breaking, and the doctors don't know what to do. She says, and she says, I have another daughter who moved to Vancouver, and she's looking for a job as a yoga teacher, and she can't find a job. And I just am so worried about my daughter over there in Vancouver, and I, I just need somebody to pray. She said, so I called my sister, who's a Roman Catholic nun, and my sister is 92 years old. And she, my sister said to me, well, let's pray to St. Joseph so that he will heal your daughter, because that's who they pray to when they want healing. Or, and let's pray to St. Bartholomew so that your other daughter will find a job. And she says, we were praying, and she says, and I quote, she says, the saints are sleeping on the switch. I said, oh, okay. She says, and then I was watching Netflix. That's not usually an instrument of God, but she says, I was watching Netflix, and I came on this show about the life of Jesus, and it made me so mad. I said, oh. She says, yeah, Jesus is walking around with his disciples, and he's talking to them like he's their friend. And she says, in my religion, Jesus is somewhere way up there with a halo around his head, and we have to go through all these other people to get to him, and here they are talking to him like he's their friend. And then she said, I realized, my neighbor, that's us, they talk to Jesus like he's their friend. She says, I listen to your kids sometimes when you pray before your meals, when you eat out on your deck, and even your kids are talking to Jesus just like he's their friend. She says, so I want you to pray, to direct to Jesus. She says, I want to forget these saints, and I want to pray straight to Jesus. I said, well, let's pray. So we prayed together, and then she came back two days later, and she says, good news, you know the night that we prayed straight to Jesus? Well, my daughter got out of the hospital that night. And I said, well, praise the Lord for that. And the other daughter has now moved to Calgary and is looking for a job, so St. Bartholomew still gets a crack at it, I guess. But the idea is, we tried everything we could to witness to her. Nothing was working. Until God said, you know what, Eric, just watch me. I'm going to do something. I have all power is given unto me, and I am going to do something that she's going to be willing to listen to the gospel. So please pray for Carmen. She's not saved yet, but she needs to be, and we have an open door. But notice in verses 19 and 20, not just his authority, but notice the absolute authority of Jesus leads us to the Great Commission. That Great Commission is that we are to teach all nations, we are to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So we go and teach all nations, we baptize and we teach them after that, and that comes from his absolute authority. But I want to focus tonight on the end of verse 20. His absolute authority is communicated also by his constant presence in our life. As we go and seek to reach this world for Christ, Jesus is with us, and that changes everything. In the next few moments, I just want to hop, skip through the New Testament, if you'll allow me. Normally, I just stay in one passage. I feel the Lord wants us to look at a few different places tonight in the New Testament where Jesus showed up, where he showed up for the Great Commission to be possible and for the Great Commission to happen. And I believe that we'll see that what happened then can happen to you and can happen to me, and Jesus is with us, not just with them, but with us always, even unto the end of the world. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 1. My first observation tonight would be this. Because Jesus is with us, he will intervene. He will intervene as need be. Just like with Carmen a moment ago, Jesus did something I could never do. Jesus did something with a word 
that no amount of tracts on her door or cookies at Christmas could ever do. He says he was going to do something. He intervened. But in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, a very famous verse because we read it all the time at Christmas. But in Matthew 1, 23, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The book of Matthew begins by telling us God is with us, and it ends by telling us that God is with us. It says, Emmanuel, God with us, and then after that, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. But why did Emmanuel have to come? Why did Jesus have to come at all? He had to come because we needed an intervention. We needed an intervention because we were lost in our sins. Humans cannot save themselves. Religion has never saved one single person in all of history. Nothing can save except for Jesus. And by the way, if you're here tonight and there's never, ever, ever been a moment in your life where you have told the Lord that you are a sinner, that you've admitted, you've confessed your sin, and that you have, you've never told him, Lord, I believe that you died on the cross. Not just died on the cross, but you died for me. And that when you paid on that cross, it paid for all of my sins. If you've never told the Lord that you've sinned, by the way, we've all sinned. I've sinned, we've all sinned. If you've ever thought or said anything wrong, you're a sinner. Sometimes probably you've even said something to someone, and while you're saying it, deep down you know you shouldn't say that. I mean, we've all been there. We're all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But because we're sinners, Jesus said, you can't save yourself, so I'm going to intervene. I'm going to come down there to earth. I'm going to give my life on the cross for you. And now, if you'll just admit that you're a sinner and realize and trust that what Jesus did, he did it for you. And that what he did was enough. He said, it is finished. It's sufficient. You don't have to try to be a good person to go to heaven. You just have to ask him to save you to forgive you. And he will. He says, I will not cast out the ones that come to me, Matthew, uh, John chapter 6. But not only for salvation, and by the way, if you've never trusted Christ, please don't leave tonight without doing that. And if you say, I don't know what you're talking about, talk to pastor or talk to Pastor Kevin or someone at the church. We'll be so happy to show you from the Bible how you can walk out of here tonight with eternal life. But because he is present, he will intervene. Just like he intervenes in salvation, he intervenes in missions. As we go in places, he intervenes. I mean, he, he can do anything he needs to do. Let me give you an example this way. Sometimes we don't give the Great Commission because of fear, or we don't witness, or we don't give because we're afraid what will happen if we give. My family likes to go on bike rides. Now, I love my kids, but I hate the bike rides. Okay? I love my wife, but I hate the bike rides. Here's why. We are cursed. That's why I hate them. For example, three, well, no, more a thousand times on these bike rides, the chain of one of my kids' bikes is going to just fall off the gears, and we're going to have to pull over, and I'm going to have to like get my fingers all dirty and greasy putting this chain back on, and I always have to carry baby wipes with me because we, it just it's going to happen. Three times my wife goes on flat tires on these rides. There's a Dairy Queen that's about a few kilometers from our house. It's just the perfect distance to get to, get the kids a sugar high, and come back. So my wife will say, let's go to Dairy Queen on our bikes. And I'm like, because oh. I know something's going to happen. I'm going to have to intervene in some way. But you know, my kids don't care. Yeah, we're going. And, then, you know, haven't they learned by now that their chains always come off the bike when we go? My wife is like, I can't wait to go. And I'm like, don't you know that you're always going to get a flat tire every time we go? But see, my family doesn't care because I'm with them. 
Now, I'm nothing special. I'm no mechanic. But, I, but they know, oh, if my chain falls off, daddy will fix it. Oh, if I get a flat tire, my husband will deal with it. Because I'm with them, and I'm nothing special, because I'm with them, they confidently go on these bike rides, and they're happy, and they don't care. See, that's what Jesus means. He says, you go, you go make disciples of all nations. And when you get yourself in a situation that's beyond your ability or beyond your means or anything else, I am with you. You know, when he says I'm with you always, it's not that he's just sitting there with us and hanging out. He's there to make a difference. He says, you go, you obey. And by the way, yes, you're going to get yourselves into situations of danger or of need, but don't j just go because I am with you always. And because he is with us always, well, we can confidently know that if need be, he will intervene. But notice, secondly, let's go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, we're going to see that because he is present, he is going to confirm, or you might say he is going to work with us. Mark chapter 16 and verse 20. Before I even read this verse, I just want to make a comment about it. Back in the first century, they did not have a completed New Testament. Because they did not have a completed New Testament, there was another way that God used back then to tell people, this person that's preaching is my messenger. He would confirm their words with miracles and signs and wonders. Now today, we don't need that because we have the completed word of God. Today, people can do like the people, the Jews that at Berea, and just look at the scriptures to see if these things are really so. But back then, God would confirm his word through, uh, simply through, uh, through these signs. But look at Mark 16 and verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, and notice the next few words, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So again, we don't need those signs following today, although God can do whatever he wants. God can perform miracles anytime he wants. But the Lord working with them. Sometimes we're afraid of the word miracle, but we serve a miracle-working God. I consider what God has done in the ministry there in Montreal as a miracle. What I mean by that, it's something that I could not do that only God could do, and I praise him for it. And notice here what it says, the Lord working with them. If I, if, you, if I was to say to you, I'm going to go work with you, for example, uh, I'm jealous of Brother Dinsmore's abilities with tools and manual labor, okay? Like he can build a house and I can hardly patch a hole in the wall. It's not fair. God gives him the gifts and whatever. But that, I'm not bitter. But let's suppose I was to say to Brother Dinsmore, let's suppose he's, I don't know, let's suppose he's fixing a roof somewhere. And I said, oh, Brother Dan, I'm going to come and help you. And he says, okay, Eric, come and help me. So he gets up on the roof. I get up on the roof, and I'm helping him. And he picks up a hammer, and I put my hand on the same hammer. He would punch me probably. That's the first thing. But, you know, I'm not helping him. If I'm doing the exact same thing he's doing, I'm hindering or I'm in his way or we're duplicating work. If, I, you know, if I'm going to help him, I have to do something that he's not currently doing. So if he's holding the hammer, maybe I'm fetching a box of nails to help him. Or perhaps he's putting down shingles, and I'm going to get another package of shingles to bring it. Or whatever. The point is, I'm, not, I'm doing something that he's not currently doing if I'm going to be helping him. If you're helping your friend move and they pick up a box, well, what are you going to do? You're going to pick up a different box. And when they say, let's move the piano, you're going to disappear to pick up coffee. You're going to do something that they're not doing, right, in order to help them. And when Jesus says, the Lord working with them. Yes, he's working through them, but that's not what it says. He's working with them. Many times God has worked with me. I preach a message sometimes, and honestly, the message is bad. And yet somebody gets saved. 
did I do that? No, no. <laughs> the Lord in heaven in his mercy says, ooh, Eric's having a hard time this morning, but I'm going to do something anyway. Or sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes I've been witnessing to someone, the person is really aggressive, or they come up with some strange argument, and sometimes, I don't know what to say. Sometimes my mind goes blank. And yet God works through that situation, not because of me, but because the Lord is working with me. I learned a long time ago that the pressure to see souls saved is not on me, it's on him. We can plant and we can water, but God gives the increase, right? And Jesus said, you go, you preach everywhere, and then the Lord working with them and confirming. The Lord does the things that we cannot do if we'll just go and obey. Hudson Taylor is a famous missionary to China from years gone by, and in the beginning of his ministry, he and his friends came to a town in China that was under the yoke of an idol. And they believed, the people of the village believed, that every day, every year, sorry, on a set day of the calendar, it was always going to be sunny because of this idol. It would never rain. And the people were like, our God is so powerful. Our idol is so powerful because every day of that year, every, that date, every year, it's always sunny. And we have a parade where we parade his statue through the streets. And Taylor was praying, oh, God, make it rain that day. And the people said, oh, no, 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 no. It never, ever rains. And they prayed, all the missionaries prayed, oh, Lord, would you please send rain on that day? They got up that day, and it was bright sunshine. And Taylor was thinking, oh, Lord, what are you doing? No, please. And, well, clouds started to form and darker clouds. Before you knew it, it was raining so hard they had to cancel the parade. The streets were too muddy to even travel on. And that day, the Lord broke the power of the idol on that village, and many of them came to Christ. Could Taylor do that? No. What happened? The Lord was working with them and confirming the word as he saw fit. Years ago, when I was on staff at our sending church, I'm going to be very transparent with you. Human nature is the same everywhere, okay? We're on staff at our sending church, and it was our preachers, our Bible conference in April. And they brought in two very, very well-known preachers from the States. And again, I'm going to be transparent with you. Please don't be disappointed in us. But as those two preachers walked into the lunchroom on the Tuesday lunch, all the staff of the church was there, and everybody was elbowing to try to get to the table to sit with these two famous preachers. Now, my wife and I were the bottom rung of the staff, okay? We were the least important people in the room, so we got to pick our seats last. So by the time it was our turn, there was no room at those tables, and we were by our lonesome at this plastic folding table, and I was eating chicken and broccoli, I still remember it, and mashed potatoes with a sweet, sweet attitude. And I'm sitting there, and then an older couple walked in, and they were kind of hunched over, and quite frankly, nobody paid attention to them. They sat down at our table. I said, yeah, have a seat. Didn't know who they were. And I said, sir, what's your name? He says, oh, my name is Daryl Champlin. Now, Daryl Champlin is one of the missionaries of the 20th century that God used in a mighty way in Africa and in Suriname. And just <laughs> some amazing stories. I mean, this is the kind of guy that you're going to find his biography in a Christian bookstore before long if it's not already available. And he's sitting there, and I was like, whoa. At first, I didn't register, picked, I, but he starts telling us stories about going down to South America to Suriname, and they get into these villages where they bring it, this super witch doctor to try to do all these signs and wonders in front of the people, and, you know, he's, the, the witch doctor's dancing on fire, and his feet aren't getting burned, and he's going, walking on glass without getting cut because of the spirits doing things, 
and Daryl Champlin is just crying out to God, oh God, do something. And the Lord allowed something spectacular to happen in that place at that moment, simply to break again the power of these witch doctors over the people. Can he do that? No, but God did. Because the Lord is working with us. Now, we may not be that spectacular, but when you go witness to your neighbor, you say, well, I'm not as good as Pastor Turner at witnessing. Pastor Turner is so amazing at it. He knows all the verses, and I don't know that many. You go, and you obey, and Jesus will work with you. Now, you ought to prepare, learn, memorize Scripture, be prepared, all of that. But at the end of the day, when you go, Jesus says, hey, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And he will, he, he's absolutely able to confirm. Perhaps Pastor was talking about faith promise giving earlier, and you're like, yeah, I know what I should be giving, but, you know, at work it's been unstable, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, you, if I promise this, what if this, and what if that, and what if this. Tell you what, if you will do what God wants you to do for world evangelism, Jesus says, you go and you promise what I'm telling you to promise, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. But thirdly, also, because he's with us, he's going to protect us. Go to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18 and verse number 9. Now, here I find a, a picture that I find a little bit hard to picture, really. Uh, I always picture the Apostle Paul as this super brave guy who's afraid of nothing. I, I picture him short with a big nose and hunched over, but the Bible doesn't actually say that. I don't know why I think that. Probably some Sunday school picture when I was a kid that stayed with me, I presume. But here he is in Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 3, he says that he's there in a state of fear and much trembling. In the vernacular, he's scared to death. Now, he's seen God do amazing things before, but he happens to be scared here. And the Lord Jesus sees fit to appear to his servant in that circumstance and strengthen him. Look at verse 9 of Acts chapter 18. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. And notice verse 10, For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Because he's present, he will protect. Now, that does not mean that no Christian's ever going to get hurt. That does not mean that, no, that bad things never happen to Christians. That is not what it's teaching. But what it is teaching is that as you obey God and you go and spread the gospel, nothing can happen to you as long as God's not done working through you in that moment and in that circumstance. Nothing is safer than the will of God. Now, and anything that happens to you is going to be by his permission and with sufficient grace for you to go through that. But in this circumstance, the Lord says to Paul, I want you to speak here even though you're afraid because I will protect you. Now, even just thinking of the Dinsmore family, as Brother Dinsmore drives through Mexico and down to Belize. I mean, we all know that he could get pulled over by the police and different things. And when you go to these countries, there's bribery and happening. And as they get to Belize, I'm sure there's dangers that lurk in Belize. But as they go there, you know, they're in the safest place possible. Why? Because I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The Carters travel to different countries. Do you think they're always going to be safe? Not just safe from violence, but safe from bribery or safe from different other circumstances. Well, they can go because, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I mean, you know what it's like living in a big city. Is every spot in Vancouver, Burnaby, and New West safe? Probably not. I've gotten myself in some situations. I remember getting a soul-winning call. Somebody called the church, wanted me to go and talk to them. And when I got to the address, I thought, what am I doing here? 
go down this flight of stairs, go down this shady alley. Here's a guy over here who's looking at me like he wants to rob me, and I'm going by, and I'm thinking, should I even be here? But I got there because God wanted me there, and I got out of there after my call because God wanted me there. You know why? Because, lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. I have many people who say, oh, I would never go and start a church in the city. It's too dangerous. It's not really that dangerous because, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Do um, you know Edgar Fagali? Edgar Fagali, missionary to the Middle East. If you've ever read his biography, he talks about how one time they were in Beirut having a Bible study, and a bomb fell through the ceiling of the apartment and crashed into the coffee table but did not explode, which was miraculous. They were so stunned, they, they don't move. And then a few moments later, another bomb falls and does not explode. By then, they're like, maybe we should get out of here. So they all go down the stairs, and they go outside. And as they get to the bottom, <laughs> who protected them? God did. And as I was talking one time to Brother Figeli in personal conversation, he says, yeah. He says, the apartment under ours in the apartment building was a hot commodity because people knew their God is protecting them. So if we live right under them, we're going to be safe too because people knew that God was protecting them. Now, is Beirut, Lebanon, was it the safest place? No, but yes, because I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Don't go to the Gaza Strip tonight. But if God wanted you there and he sent you there, you'd be safe there as long as God is not done working through you in that circumstance. See, it's been said, it's not original with me, but the safest place is always, right, in the will of God. You can, you can obey God. You can go and teach all nations. You can preach to your neighbor, and you can go into the city. You can go into the highways and byways, and Jesus says, I'm going to go with you. He says, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. Now, this is not an encouragement to be foolish and to put yourself in risky situations for no reason. That's not the point. The point is if you're obeying God and you're fulfilling the Great Commission and God is sending you somewhere, he has the power to keep you there and watch over you. And the last thing for tonight is this. Because God is with us, he will strengthen us. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Here's another event in the life of the Apostle Paul. And Paul is looking over his shoulder in court and he's hoping to see his friends there but they don't show. He's hoping that his friends are going to come in to support him and strengthen him, but they're not there. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 16. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. But notice verse 17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Doesn't say the Lord was watching from heaven. Already that'd be plenty right there. But it said, The Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Because he is present, because he's with us always, even unto the end of the world, he will strengthen us. Let me tell you something. I don't have the strength to reach Montreal for Christ. I sincerely do not. The Dinsmore don't have, they don't have, the Dinsmores don't have the strength to reach Belize for Christ. Now, they're going obediently. The Carters don't have in and of themselves the strength to do what God is calling them to do around the world. But when we get down, he's there to strengthen us. I tell you what, missionaries on deputation get exhausted. 
missionaries on the field, yet exhausted. And guess what? Jesus is going to strengthen. Jesus is there to strengthen. Paul speaks of a time where man let him down. Sometimes we go to the field, or maybe you stay here in Vancouver, and you're trying to reach people for Christ, and maybe somebody in the church lets you down or betrays you, and you get discouraged about it. And guess what? The Lord will sustain you. When man abandons God's servant, God always takes over. When men let us down, God always says, hey, continue on. I'm with you, and I will strengthen you. Now, we talked about missions, and I'm just about finished here, but let's just put that aside for a few seconds. God is with you in your personal life, too. My mother-in-law is one of the godliest people I know. And many, many years ago, her husband left her. I don't know if there's any ladies present who are in a similar situation where human have failed you, husbands have left, or other maybe kids, parents have failed them. And every time my mother-in-law goes to the mechanic, she knows that for a single woman to go to the mechanic, the mechanic is going to tell you all kinds of things that are wrong with your car that's not true just to jack up the bill. And as she goes to the mechanic, she's praying, oh God, you know, you know I don't have a husband to go with me, but you're my husband. Protect me from these sharks. Make them honest with me. And she has story after story after story after story of how God came through for her just with her car. Because if you're God's child, if you've come to Christ for salvation and you've received his gift of salvation, he is with you even unto the end of the world. My wife always, when she was learning French in Montreal, sometimes she would leave the university and come home and Sometimes she'd be looking around and, you know, walking downtown as a woman by herself at 9 p.m. at night. Not always the safest spot, but you know, nothing ever happened to her. You know why? Because, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of it. She wasn't there because she was being foolish or just because she was taking chances. She was honestly going down there to learn the French language, to share Jesus Christ with people. And the Lord said, Melissa, you go, and I'll watch over you. I mean, I'd always come up and pick her up as soon as it was possible, but there were certain times where she was in God's hands. But she was there for him. She was there because he wanted her there, and he watched over her. I mean, I flew out of Togo this past February, and honestly, as far as airports go, was the worst experience of my life. At least on four attempts, they tried to, like, extort me in the airport on my way out. But I got out of there without anything happening. You know why? Because, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So as we look at the Great Commission, I want you to know that you as a person, individually, you can do it. Not because of you, but because of him. And you say, well, Brother Levier, you know, again, I'm scared to talk to people about Jesus because I'm not that good at it. Well, do it. And Jesus is going to remind you that he's there. Say, well, this person, I've been trying to witness to them and nothing, keep witnessing to them because just with my neighbor, Carmen, Jesus has power over everything and he can intervene as is needed. You say, well, I'm not sure my job is unstable. Can I really give to missions? If God lays it on your heart and you do it, he says, if need be, my child, I can intervene. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Is God's calling you person to the mission field? Or maybe parents, maybe God is calling your child to the mission field. 
and you say, oh, I don't know if I want my child moving overseas or moving to a third world country or a place that's not super safe. Let me tell you what, if they obey God, here's what Jesus says about that. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We're not doing his work for him. He's working with us and through us, and he is with us. And I'm not, you know, I'm not involved in missions because of pressure. I'm involved in missions because of the promises of God. Because God promises so many wonderful things. And as you surrender to it, you get to be a part of it. So I'm asking you, are you living according to the reality that the Lord is with us? And are you obedient to his commands and to his commission, knowing that he is with you every day until the end of the world? Do you trust him? And again, if you've never trusted him as your savior, tonight, get saved. Receive the free gift of salvation. And if you have received it, tell it to others, and he's going to go with you as he did.